0: Well, good morning, church family. So good to be with you today. So glad you are here. I believe God has something for each one of us when we gather. I believe that every Sunday, and I don't think today is an exception. God has something for you today. So I'm glad to see you. Uh, Welcome online. Welcome, GT North. We love you all as well. Uh, If you're tuning in from anywhere, we're so grateful that you have taken some time to avail yourself to what God might want to say to you through the word today. Listen, before I jump into this new teaching series that Scott talked about, Legendary. Let me, I want to celebrate a couple of things with you because the month of February was a very, very exciting month. I just, I hope you feel it. I, I sense a stirring in our church. I feel God is at work. He's on the move at GT. And uh, February, we had a series called Faith in Action. And many of you uh, put your faith in action. Uh, on the second week of the month, we had 149 people sign up at ServeLink to take a step towards serving, in God's kingdom. Then two weeks after that, at GroupLink, we had 434 people sign up for a group. Yeah, let's thank God for that. <clears throat> that is amazing. That's nearly 600 people that said, I'm gonna put my faith in action and get involved, get connected and make myself available to what God wants to do. And then uh, we had 31 people between Westlawn and GT North Say, I want to take the step of obedience to Christ and get water baptized. And so next Sunday, March 12th, is our Water Baptism Sunday here at West Lawn. And at GT North, we have 31 people getting baptized this weekend. Next weekend, you listen, church, you do not want to miss a Water Baptism Sunday. I hear people all the time say, water baptisms are my 100% my favorite services in church. Why could that be? Because we get a front row seat of hearing all that God is actively doing in the lives of the people that sit with you at church every Sunday. We get to celebrate what God is doing. So you don't want to miss next Sunday. It's going to be fantastic, it's going to be incredible. And you don't want to miss next Sunday either because it gets your start, your day off to a good start. Because next Sunday is daylight savings time. Everybody loves that spring ahead week. And no, we don't. We hate it, but. Make sure you remember to turn your clock ahead next Sunday so you don't miss service. It's going to be a great day. Um, and, we're, and the other thing you got today on the way in, um, you should have received a card that looks like this on the way in. Hold these up, wave them at me if you got them, right? On January 8th, I shared a, a vision message for our church. We talked about the mission of God, the Missio Dei. And I shared with you my prayer list for GT Church for 2023. That's what I'm giving you today. This is the list of uh, some of the lists of the things I'm believing God for at GT this year. And I wanted to give this to you. This is now known at from here to forward known as a bookmark. So put this in your Bible and use it as a bookmark so that it's also a regular reminder for you to join me and our staff, our, our board of elders, our board of deacons that together. As the church family, we are believing God and praying for these things for GT Church in 2023. I hope that some of you will partner with me and pray. You'll see on there, um, on the one that says, I'm believing God for a thousand new decisions for Christ in 2023. I'm just believing that God is going to continue to move. I believe the best is yet to come. And God wants to populate heaven through GT Church. And so I'm believing, and I hope you'll pray with me for 1,000 people for the first time in their life to give their life to Jesus Christ. That's a prayer point for all of us. Uh, If you aren't confident in sharing your faith, if you feel like, you know what, I wanna be a part of that, I wanna be used by God, but I just feel so much fear and I'm not sure what to say. uh, We have something for you. Uh, I mentioned it last Sunday on Saturday, March 18th, that's two weeks from yesterday. We're gonna be having an evangelism workshop and training with Pastor Greg Hubbard, he's our evangelist. And he's going to be with us on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on the 18th of March, two weeks from yesterday, in the Next Gen Center, so that we can come, anybody's welcome, and just to, to equip one another to be encouraged in our faith and to grow together in how we, you know, broadcast the, the hope that is in Jesus and him alone to our friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and all that. So, hope you'll mark your calendar and be with us on that day. And one more thing, and then I'm going to open with legendary... Uh, You may not know this, but Easter is only five weeks away. Uh, For those of us who are in ministry and plan for what's known as the Super Bowl of the church, that makes us like, oh my word, it's only five weeks away. Well, one of the things we're looking to do is recruit more volunteers for our kids' ministry. We're going to have full-blown kids' ministry at both services on Sunday morning, both here and at GT North. And we need a few more uh, helpful hands and leaders in the room. And so if you aren't yet serving and can help us out on Easter Sunday, would you do me a favor and stop by the serve desk on the way out? Just serving one service on Easter Sunday, we expect a full house uh, both in here and in all of our kids' main classrooms. So we need some more people to step up and to get involved, put your faith in action. Another chance for you to do that. So stop by the serve desk and get signed up. So today, um, I hope you have a Bible. You open it to the book of Genesis. We're going to be Starting in a brand new series, as Pastor Scott Noggle said, every ministry in our church, kidsmen, student men, and adults right here, we're going to be studying the book of Genesis over the next four weeks and looking at the life of Joseph. Now this, for those who are part of the church or you've been around the church for some time or you grew up in church, you hear the name Joseph, you're like, yeah, like Joseph, he's legendary. Like he is, Joseph is an iconic figure in the Bible. His, his story is unbelievable. We're going to unpack that over the next four weeks. But some of you who are new maybe don't even know who Joseph is. You're like, well, jo- I don't know who Joseph is. Isn't that, isn't that the father of Jesus? Well, there is a Joseph who is the, the earthly father of Jesus. But there's another Joseph who lived 1875 years before Jesus came to the earth. And that's the Joseph we'll be talking about for the next four weeks. And I want to I make a comment about this too. You know, Joseph is a big figure in the Bible, when you if you if you're not sure where to read in the Bible right now, you're kind of like in between devotionals or studies or whatever. Can I invite you uh, to to read the book of Genesis over the next four weeks? Uh, I'll be doing that. I hope you will too. Genesis they call it's known as the book of beginnings because it 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 gives us the beginning of life of human life on Earth. It's recorded for us by Moses, led by the Holy Spirit, and it's a book of beginnings. It has the creation accounts in Genesis one. Chapters two and three chronicle the life of of Adam and Eve. Uh, Chapters five through nine, you may not have ever read them, but you've heard of Noah, right? Noah's Ark, most of you have heard of Noah. You'll read that in Genesis five through nine. And then in chapter 12, we meet the patriarchs of the faith. You'll meet Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. These are legendary figures. You think of people who are are iconic in the faith. They're the forefathers of of our Judeo-Christian faith. And so when you get to Genesis 12, you'll start to read about these men of God. Genesis is an interesting book. It has this really big picture of the creation of the world and and global things. And then it just zooms in on individuals. So you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but then it gets to Joseph in chapter 37. And Joseph, the story of Joseph is given more time and occupies more space in Genesis than any one of the other previous patriarchs of the faith the meta-narrative the story of Joseph has much to say about the scope of salvation history from the beginning of time and so I hope that you will journey with us I hope that you'll plan to be here every Sunday so you don't miss anything I hope you'll read it with us because Joseph is is so legendary and his story is so spectacular I don't want any of you to miss it uh one more thing I'll say then I'm going to jump into the text um When we study a figure or person in the Bible, it's not so that we can exalt that person. I think you know that, but I think it's important to state this. We're not gonna study Joseph so that we can exalt Joseph. There's only one person who ever lived that deserves to be exalted, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen, church? We're not gonna exalt Joseph. However, let me say this. Um, If the Holy Spirit thought it important to put 13 chapters in a book of beginnings, to chronicle the life of Joseph, then certainly there's something that you and I can learn from the life of Joseph. And that's what I want to invite you to do today and every week hereafter. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a, a good portion of the text today. I'm going to make a few comments. I'm going to share what the Holy Spirit put in my heart. But I want to ask you to do something today. I want to ask you to invite the Holy Spirit to to show you which part of this story was precisely for you today. Does that make sense, church? Not if you're with me, wave your hand or do something. Because I'm going to share a lot of scripture. We're going to look at a big portion of his story today. And I don't know exactly what God wants to say to you, but I know that he wants to say something. So I'm inviting you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Holy Spirit, what is the one thing, the one nugget, the one thought, the one eternal truth that you want me to glean from the story of Joseph, so that when you walk out of here today, you can say, this is what God said to me, and this is what God did in my life. So this is how the story goes in Genesis chapter 37. Again, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now we look at the life of Joseph. And it starts with his father, Jacob. He says he lived in the land where his father stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family tree. So they're going to leave Jacob behind and now zoom in on the life of Joseph. It says, Joseph, a young man of 17. If you have a 17-year-old son in your house, I want you to get a picture of what a 17-year-old boy looks like. Because the start of this story starts with Joseph at 17. He was out tending the flocks with his brothers. They were shepherds. They watched sheep for a living. And they were the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, That's for another sermon, okay? And it says he Joseph brought their father a bad report about them. So Joseph, being the youngest, didn't work as much or long or hard as the older siblings did. But there would be times where he would go out and check on the brothers and come back to Jacob and tell them how things were going. Tell Jacob how things were going. And Joseph comes back and gives a bad report card for his brothers. You might call that a tattletale. You might say he's a little narc. I don't know how you want to describe Joseph, but he comes back to Jacob, their father, and gives a bad report about his older brothers. Then in verse three, it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made for him an ornate robe when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them. They hated him and could not speak a kind word to Joseph. So not only is Joseph possibly a tattletale, but he's also the favorite in the house. Not setting up well for Joseph right now. And I, again, here's, something, here's a little skeet, a seed I want to scatter along the way. I think you know this, but I'm going to state it outright. Favoritism has a way of bringing out the worst in human nature, right? Favoritism as a parent is a terrible idea And a terrible way of parenting, you'll see why in this story. Favoritism has a way, whether it's in the home or the workplace, has a way of bringing out the worst in us, right? And so it goes on, Moses tells us then in verse 5, it gets even more interesting. Joseph had a dream, and it goes south right away. When he told it to his brothers, again, some of you church people know where this goes. You're like, oh yeah, terrible idea. But if you're brand new, don't spoil it for your neighbor. If you're brand new, stay with me here. So it says, he had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him all the more. He said to them, so this is Joseph now telling his brothers about the dream. He says, brothers, gather round. Like, I don't know that he said that, I'm adding that. But like, imagine like Joseph say, gather round. I, I had a dream. He says, listen to this dream I had. Like, isn't this cool? We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf, it's a bundle of grain, rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Joseph. Like, what on earth? Like, dude, what are you doing? You know, not only is he a tattletale, not only is he the favorite son, but he's a bit foolish right now. Like, this is not wise to, you know, let me say something to those of you who may be gifted with prophetic, Uh, minds you you see visions you have dreams you God gifts you with prophecy there's a right time and a wrong time to share things and those who hear from God need to seek the Lord for the wisdom not just what to say but how and when to say it Joseph lacked that discernment at 17 okay so let me just encourage some of you today so it says this he had he had a dream his brother said to him as any brother would have said do you intend to reign over us Will you actually rule us? Again, there's a bit of foreshadowing here for those of you who know the story. And then Moses says, and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Verse nine, then he had another dream. So one dream wasn't enough. Joseph now has a second dream and he told it to his brothers. Again, if you're tracking with a story, you're like, didn't you learn from the first time? I guess you're gonna share it again because it, dream sharing went so well the first time, right? So now he has a second dream. And Moses said, he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. Like Joe, you can almost see this little, this boy like, he's so excited. Hey, look guys, I had another dream. Check this out. Like I had another dream. Here's the dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Not only was my sheaf better than your sheaves, but now I had a dream And the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. (laughs) It gets worse. When he told his father, so he didn't just tell his brothers, he told his dad the dream, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? (laughs) If you know what foreshadowing is, you got to buckle up here. We're not going to get there today, but you got to read the account. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this matter in his mind. So I'm going to jump down to verse 28 in a second. Let me summarize now what happens next. So there comes another day when the brothers are out doing their job. The, 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 the older brothers are out in, the, in the, the fields. They're grazing the flock. And Joseph gets sent by Jacob to go check on them again. This just what they did. So we, Jacob sends Joseph, hey, go check on your brothers again. So as Joseph, God bless you, as Joseph is going out. Joseph, again, wearing this brightly colored robe. His brothers see him coming. You know, and maybe that, maybe, I don't know if this is where the phrase came, but you can see him coming a mile away. Like Joseph, you could see coming a mile away because he had this brightly or ornate robe on. So this young 17-year-old comes walking to his brothers. Well, they hate him so much, they are plotting to kill him. The brothers are planning to kill him, but Reuben, the older says, you know what, guys, we can't kill our brother. What are you doing? So instead of killing him, they throw him in what's called a cistern or a pit and they start to devise a plan for how to get rid of Joseph. And they come up with a plan. They say, we can't, we're can't, we not gonna kill him, but we can sell him and make a profit off of our brother. And you're, you're talking about some deep-seated hatred. They're gonna sell their young brother, the youngest sibling, 17-year-old, they're gonna sell him to slave traders expecting never to see him again. This story is unbelievable. So it says in verse 20, so when the Midianite merchants came, His brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. It's the equivalent today, about $200. They sold their brother for $200. I guess it's better than killing him because that was plan A. Now they're working plan B. They're going to sell him and get something in return. So they sold him for $200 who took him to Egypt. Again, if you track the meta-narrative of the story, that is so it's beyond significant that Joseph gets sent to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the sister and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brother and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe. This is the plan. This is, so, you know this, church. Here's another seed I want to scatter. But when you lie, you're probably also planning a cover up. Hmm, right? Like every lie requires further deceit to keep the lie alive. And we see it here in scripture. So it says, they took Joseph's robe, this bright robe that, that, that signified his favorite status. They slaughtered a goat, dipped it in blood. They took the robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it's your son's. Like, really? Imagine that. They take a robe, this, this bright robe that's, that's specially made for the favorite son. There's no robe like it anywhere in the world. They dip it in blood. They go back to their dad. They say, hey, is this, your, is this J- Joseph's robe? Like, are you kidding me? Like, of course. There's no robe like it anywhere. And so they go back to Jacob. They say, is this your son's robe? Notice they don't say, is this our brother's robe? They, they had disconnected. They had disassociated themselves already from the brother. It says in verse 33, he recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal had devoured him. Surely Joseph has been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for many days. All, listen to this. Again, the, the deceit piles on. If you're, if, I don't know if this is anybody today, but if you're working a lie right now, if there's some sort of deceit or deception that you have put forth out there in the world, you're still working the lie. Man, today is the day that you, you come clean. At least start with God. Come clean with God. Say, God, I'm, I'm working a lie in my life and I don't want to do that anymore because the deceit just piles on. So now it says, um, all his sons and daughters came to comfort him. The, the, the 12 sons who sold their brother to slavery are now coming and pretending to comfort their father. But he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, so now they're going to, the lens of focus is going to leave Jacob and the brothers, and it's going to track with Joseph now for the remaining chapters in this book. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So now at this point, a 17-year-old boy named Joseph has been sold not once, but twice. His brothers sold him to the slave traders. Now the slave traders sold him to a man named Pharaoh, who was a leader in Egypt, a captain of the guard. Again, if, you, if you're brand new to this story, some of you know where this goes, and you're like, yeah, I get it. But if you're brand new, I want you to, to understand that you are tracing the sovereign providential hand of God Almighty in Joseph's life. And sometimes bad things happen in our lives, and it, it may actually be God moving in your life to bring about something else that you don't even see right now. Somebody say amen if you heard that. Okay, good. Chapter 39. So now Joseph had been taken to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him. Verse 2 is is not insignificant. Listen to this. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Can I remind you today that the Lord wasn't with, with Joseph any more than he is with you today? In fact, you might have more of God in you by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit than what God was with Joseph. You have at least what Joseph had. And so you and I can walk in this life with confidence, knowing that there's a holy anointing in our lives because the spirit of the living God is inside of us. Moses says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So that means as Joseph took up this life of being a slave of a servant in this rich man's house, the, the, the owner of the house noticed Joseph and said, everything that he does prospers. The God, one of the gods, because Egypt had many gods, he probably said one of the gods or Joseph God is surely with him. So he elevated him to become the personal attendant of the leader of the house. Potiphar put him in charge of the household and trusted him to his care, everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph, son and daughter of God. Can I remind you that God has the ability to bless your household and your company because of you? You are a container of the presence of God. You and I should walk with the atmosphere of the Almighty in our lives. And when you go to work and when you go into spheres and places of influence, God can actually bless those places, not because of those places, but because you're in it. That's what it says of Joseph. It says, God blessed everything because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, not Joseph's belongings. The boy was a slave, he had nothing. He had no belongings, but where he was, God blessed everything in that house. It doesn't always mean financial blessing, but the blessing of God goes much deeper than economic blessing. Both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And now the story turns, okay? So Joseph, hated by his brothers, favored by his son, gets sold into slavery, gets bought by Potiphar. And while he's in Potiphar's house, we know that he served a total of 11 years. We don't know how long it was in Potiphar's house until this began, the next part of the story. But the story takes takes a a dramatic shift right now. And it says this, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while again, we don't know how long in the 11 years, his master's wife, whose name was Zelica or Zuleika, it's not in the Bible, but ancient scholarship tells us that her name was likely Zuleika. The master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Houston, we have a problem, right? This, this cannot end well for Joseph. This is what you might call a no-win situation. Let's read what happens here. So uh, let me ask you a question first. So one of the things I want us to consider today is what to do when sin invites you. This master had had looked at Joseph, said, you're a young man on whom God's favor rests. Come up and be next to me. Joseph was in charge of everything. And now all of a sudden, the master's wife takes notice. And this young Joseph is handsome and well-built. And she says, come to bed with me what to do when sin invites you. This is, this is where we're looking to learn from the life of Joseph. What do we do? So let's see, see what Joseph did. Verse eight, but he refused. Obviously a great, great response. He refused, but listen to what he says. But with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Joseph has this unbelievable awareness of a situation. My master has withheld nothing from me in this house except you. This, this statement, again, maybe, for, maybe just for one person, maybe, it's, maybe you're sitting in the top row, maybe you're online, maybe you're GT North, there's this statement, this next nugget right here, maybe this is why you're in church today. And Joseph said this to this, this woman, Zelika. He said, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Notice Joseph, his awareness. Again, we don't know if he's 17, 20, 23 in this, at this point, but his awareness of the situation, he doesn't say, how could I sin against you or how could I sin against my master? He understands that when we sin, ultimately we sin against God. You're new. What is sin? In the ancient world, sin was a word that simply meant to miss the mark. When we live outside of God's design for our lives, when we live outside of the boundaries of his word, we miss the mark. It's an archery term. And when you shoot an arrow at a target and you miss the target, you've missed the mark. It's the literal word sin, and it means to miss the mark. So Joseph understands, if I sin, I'm missing the mark of how God has built me to live. And how could I sin against God and do such a wicked thing? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Like I said in the beginning, maybe there's, there's a nugget here for one of you. Some of you think that it's okay to linger around temptation. Well, as long as I don't X, Y, and Z, you think it's not harmful to be near temptation. One of the things we hope that we can do together is learn from Joseph as an example or pattern of how we can live our lives in the presence of God and live a victorious life in Christ. Jo- the Bible says Joseph refused to even be with her. It wasn't like Joseph said, you know what? You're not so hard to look at and you seem sweet. Like, let's go grab coffee. He didn't say, you know what? I won't go to bed with you, but I'll, let's, have, let's grab breakfast. What do you say? 9 a.m. tomorrow. Like, let's have dinner tomorrow. Like, Joseph understood something. He understood something in the spiritual dimension of life that if this is what, if sin is here and temptation's here, I don't draw the line right by sin. I draw the line steps, steps, steps away from where sin is. And Joseph knew that temptation was out there and I will, he refused even to be with her. Because he understood that if he was with her, he was one step closer to sinning against his God. And maybe for one of you here in this room today, maybe you have been toying with temptation. You haven't yet crossed the line to sin, but you've been entertaining temptation. And can I urge you today to turn your back on that and do what Joseph did and find the line in the sand over which you will not cross and take five more steps away from it. And back away from the temptation and say, you know what, far be it for me to do such a wicked thing and sin against God. Some of you need to do that today. <clears throat> I said at 9 a.m., you know, one of the most important things that as a follower of Jesus that we can do is we can predecide what we will and what we will not do. 22 and a half years ago, I stood at an altar and I stood across from Kate and we pre-decided on that day that we will be faithful to one another. I don't need to wait to see what kinds of opportunities come my way. Because I predecided that I will be faithful to my wife. It doesn't matter what kinds of opportunities or temptations will come, I predecided. And some of you need to make decisions right now, right here in this room. There are, there are areas of your life that you haven't yet made a decision about. There are, there are temptations and, and aspects of a sinful life that you haven't yet decided that you won't cross. And God is waiting for you to pre-decide today. I will not cross that line. I will not do this because it sins against Almighty God. Pre-decide in, in your life. On one day, so it says this, verse 11, moving on. One day he went to the house to attend to his duties and none of the other servants were inside. Where's the alarm, beep, 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 like we have a problem because Joseph goes inside. Remember it said he wouldn't even be with her. He goes to the house. Nobody's around. This is her chance. Look at what the Bible says. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me already. Now I added the already, but I, you can almost hear it like the, Moses said day after day after day after day, she would plead with him. She's relentless in her pursuit. Sometimes, church, sin is relentless in its pursuit of us. And so it says, she caught him by the robe and said, come to bed with me. What did Joseph do? If he's a pattern for our lives, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. What do we do when sin pursues us? This is gonna be deeply profound. You run! I know that's profound, like, wow, that's mine, that just blows my mind. No, you run the other way. Here's the problem. We don't run from things that we don't perceive to be dangerous. Here's here's a fact, if if we had a, a 12 foot boa constrictor and could drop a living boa constrictor on the floor in this room, every one of you would run away unless you're really unusual, you like snakes. Everybody else would go screaming and run out the door. Why? Because you know the danger. One of the reasons that you and I sometimes don't run from sin is that we haven't accurately understood and assessed the danger that lies on the other side of that decision. What are the dangers? Well, sin, of course, it offends the heart and nature of God. When you sin, when you miss the mark, when you live outside of God's design, you, you offend the heart of a holy God, his nature. <coughs> Excuse me. Sin devalues Christ's sacrifice that made us free. When you take something that doesn't belong to you as a child of God, you are, you are diminishing the value of Christ's sacrifice for you. Sin always is a settling for less than God's best. I wanna say that again. When you, when you live outside of God's design, when you sin against God, you are settling for less than his best in your life. Why would you do that? Why would you want less than God's best for your life? And sin, the last one, sin often has both devastating and long-term consequences in our lives. One of the, one of the most deceptive lies of the enemy is this. It's not gonna hurt anybody. Nobody will ever find out. Who's going to know that you did this? Well, let's start with God, right? He's going to know. And it's, it's those are those lies that we, we allow to, to influence our decision and, and cause us to give in to the impulses of our flesh. It goes on, verse 13. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her, her household servants. Look, she said. This Hebrew has been brought to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me. How many of you have ever been the the subject of a lie? Raise your hand. I don't know about you, but I absolutely hate when someone lies about me. And I think you probably do too. I am not a fan of people lying in general, but okay, I'm never a fan of that. Okay, let me clarify. But when someone tells a lie about me, like, ah, it just, that, that, that stirs something in me. It, it agitates me. Joseph is now, he's the victim of a lie. He's the victim of false accusation. And he's going to be the victim of injustice and false imprisonment. This, this prized child, this 17-year-old boy, entire future in front of him, elevated in Potiphar's house, the hand of God clearly on his life. And now all of a sudden, in doing the honorable thing, Joseph was doing the right thing. He ran from temptation. He ran out of the room. He did the right thing. and Here comes the attack of the enemy. She says, this young man, this Hebrew you brought here, he came and he tried to take advantage of me, he tried to sleep with me. Here's the, here's the evidence. She's holding the evidence in her hand. And some of you have become in your life, the victim of a false accusation. Some of you maybe are the victim of a lie that's being spread. Some of you may be the victim of, of this, this kind of behavior. What do you do when injustice targets you? What do I do when injustice targets me? You learn from Joseph, trust God. Sometimes the spirit of God may, may compel you to take matters into your own hands. Sometimes you just do what the psalmist says. You cry out to God, Psalm 43, Vindicate me, O God. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against the ungodly. Deliver me from the deceitful and the unjust man. Cry out to the Lord, God set me free, deliver me. God does deliver, but not always in our time. We're not gonna get to it today. We'll get to it in the weeks to come. That's why you gotta come back. But Joseph would go on to spend two years in jail. Two years for what? Potiphar, again, this woman goes and tells her husband, you you won't believe what that servant boy did. He tried to come and take advantage of me. Here's the proof. So he gets mad. He throws Joseph in jail. Joseph is in jail for the crime of doing the honorable thing. There's times, there are times where sin has a cost. And friend, there are times where honoring God also has a price. But God is always in it. God is always with you. That's the, 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 the thread that ties the story of Joseph together. This, the big picture, the meta narrative of Joseph from start to finish, 13 chapters, Genesis 37 to 50. The, the, the thread that ties it all together is that God was with him. That God was with him in, in, in being sold into slavery, God is with him. Being sold to Potiphar, God is with him. Serving as a slave, God is with him. Rejecting the temptation, God is with him. Being falsely accused, God is with him. Being thrown into jail, God is with him. The favor of God, the grace of God, the presence of God is sustaining Joseph through all of this season of his life. And some of you here today need to just lean into the presence of and the sustaining strength of God Almighty. You are enduring a difficult season. It may not look like Joseph's. Maybe there's some similarity. Maybe you identify with some of the things in Joseph's life. Maybe you don't, but some of you are enduring a season where you simply, all you can cling to is the presence of God right now. Joseph goes to jail. What do you do? You're falsely imprisoned. How do you defend yourself? There's no trial by jury. The, the, the Bible doesn't tell us that Joseph stood before his peers in a trial. No, he just got thrown in jail. The, the, the master of the house believed the testimony of his wife and threw Joseph in jail. Two years he's going to serve in jail. For what? For, for honoring God. Some of you need to cry out to God today. When, we're, when we give invitation to pray, you've got some situations in your life. You just need to come forward and say, God, I, I cry out to you today. I'm believing you, God, for what, what you need to do in my life, and I, I'm desperate for you to move. The final two thoughts I have are these, and then we're gonna, I wanna give an invitation today. The last two thoughts, when you think about the, the beginning of the life of Joseph, you think about this, this whole dramatic scene that's unfolded for Joseph. Here's two thoughts I have for us. Again, I don't know what the Lord wants to say to you, I don't know exactly where, where you're at and what you're hearing from God, but. One of the thoughts I have is this, a protected life eventually will be a prospered life. When you and I protect ourselves, again, not at the line of temptation, when we protect ourselves and draw boundaries around ourselves to protect ourselves from sin, a protected life is a prospered life. And the second thing is this, when the Lord is with you, he can favor you anywhere. He can favor you anywhere in your in your work situation, in a relationship that's gone south, in a in a broken family, in your workplace under a harsh supervisor. When the Lord is with you, God can favor you anywhere. You know, we're going to be looking at Joseph for the next few weeks and Joseph most all theologians and scholars would agree that Joseph is what we'd call a type of Christ. You know, if you're new to the church, what's, what on earth, that's weird language, a type of? He's a shadow of or, or an early symbol of what Christ would be like. He's a type or shadow of Christ who would come. In some ways, Joseph, as you'll learn, he becomes a savior and a deliverer type. Well, of course, that foreshadows Jesus Christ who brings the ultimate favor In our lives and if you think Joseph had favor God's favor for you is still available today if you've been battling with sin if there's some kind of sinful pattern in your life today the Bible says today is the day of salvation and I want to ask you today on this first Sunday of March I can't even believe it's March already but you hear the life of Joseph you hear that he's a type of Christ. Jesus is the ultimate, ultimate fulfillment of the word of God. And the Bible teaches that Jesus came to provide a solution for the problem of sin. I shared earlier that sin is when we miss the mark. Every one of us, the Bible says in Romans six, for all have fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Every one of us, every single one of us falls short on a regular basis. We miss the mark. We we live outside of God's design. But there's an answer, church. There's an answer for when we miss the mark, when we fall short. When I intentionally sin against God, there's an answer. And his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God sent his one and only son to the earth as God in the flesh. Jesus came, lived his life, lived a sinlessly perfect life and willingly gave himself up to be crucified on a cross, to shed his blood as a payment for your sin. Church, in the same way that Joseph was being punished for something he didn't do, Jesus was punished for something he didn't do. The love of God, the love of the Father is so perfectly depicted in the life of Jesus. When Jesus Christ was crucified, not for his own sin, but for your sin, and my sin. Jesus willingly hung himself, allowed himself to be hung on a cross. Why? So that you and I could have our sins forgiven and spend eternity in the presence of God. I wanna give you a chance today. Some of you maybe here today have never before crossed that line. You've, you've heard about God, you, you know, this whole church thing. I, I don't know, it's kinda of weird. You raise your hands, like all that. But you're, you, you've never decided before to cross the line of faith. You know, I don't, I don't think I have to convince anybody in this room or anybody online or anybody at GT North, I don't think I have to convince anybody that you are a sinner in this life, that you miss the mark sometimes. Every one of us knows what it's like to make bad decisions, to make wicked, selfish, evil decisions. And the answer is Jesus. And I wanna give you a chance right now to make a decision to acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And so I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. All over this room, even if you're online or GT North, if you're listening, bow your head, close your eyes. I want to just give it an opportunity. I'm going to count to the number three in a few seconds. And when I get to three, if you are here today and you say, Scott, I know this is me. This message was for me. The Holy Spirit, I feel like there's a, a weight on my heart right now. Like there's something heavy, like a burden on my soul. I know this is for me. And friend, if you're in this room today or you're listening online, you've never before invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. You've never admitted that you are a sinner in need of a savior. Today is your day. When I get to the number three, I just want you to raise your hand, raise it proud, raise it high. Don't be shy. One, two, three. Anybody in this room? Thank you, young lady. Anybody else? Come on. Thank you over there. Thank you. Anybody else? Any other hand? Say, Scott, it's me. Scott, it's me. Scott, I know it's me. I don't wanna leave this room without making things right with God. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Anybody else? Raise your hand, You, you acknowledge, thank you up front. Anybody else? From the front row to the stadium, anybody else? Do not let this moment pass. I see hands all over. Do not let this moment pass you by. This is the day of salvation for you, my friend. Do not leave this room without making things right with your Father in heaven. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer with you and I want you to pray these words with me. I invite everybody listening today to say these words. But for those of you who are choosing Jesus today, committing your life to Christ, receiving forgiveness of sins, I want you to say these words with conviction. Believing that in this moment, God is going to save your soul. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what no one else can do. I admit that I am a sinner in need of a savior. On this day, I confess my sins and place my faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. And I believe that he died on a cross as a payment for my sin. Now help me to live life for him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody, let's celebrate. Come on, let's praise the Lord for that. Church, I believe there's no way for us to adequately celebrate what just happened there. For anybody, and again, if you raise your hand, maybe slip it up again. If if we didn't have one of our ushers give you a packet of information, you're going to get a packet, just put your hand up again. We'd love to make sure that you have that information. What happened in that moment? The Bible says that when you confess your sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible uses words like born again, new creation. You are brand new right now in this moment. And God has saved your soul. If you prayed those words and you believed on Jesus, had faith in him, you are a new creation, a born again child of the living God. And that is something to celebrate. Man, we are so happy for you. You now made the best decision of your life. If you didn't get that bag, you can stop by the Hub on the Way Out. We've got more of those out there. We'd ask you to do this. There's a little card in there. There's some information. There's a booklet that helps you kind of take your next steps. And now what do I do? What do I do when I made this decision? There's a book in there that describes how to follow Jesus. There's a card in there. And we would love the opportunity to walk alongside of you, to, to follow up with you, to help you in this new journey. And so if you'd fill that card out, Uh, drop it off at the hub. If you didn't get a bag, stop by the hub on the way out. Uh, We're not going to embarrass you, but stop out, grab a bag and fill that card out. We would love the chance to meet with you. If you're online and you made that decision, uh, you can follow the link they put in the chat. Fill out that, (coughs) excuse me, fill out the information online and let us know that you made that decision. We will be in touch with you as well. We want to follow up and just help you in this journey. God has a plan for your life and God wants us to learn together, grow together from the life of Joseph and Walk in the freedom that Christ died for us to have. Amen, church? Would you stand with me today? We're gonna dismiss in a word of prayer. I hope that you will plan to be with us next Sunday to celebrate water baptism. It is gonna be an incredible, incredible day. At this building, 28 people are gonna enter the the baptismal tank up there. We're gonna celebrate, we're gonna cheer, we're gonna rejoice in what God has done. Those of you who just got saved today, who gave your life, man, we have another baptism coming in the summer. You can take your step of baptism then. But I I wanna say this before I dismiss in prayer. If you've got some sort of need, we we do this every week, this isn't new, but I wanna make sure that the culture of our church, you always know that you can walk this way and receive prayer. And if you've got a need, if there's something, or if you just feel like, you know what, the Spirit of God is prompting me to, to confess my sin to someone else. Not in a weird way, but just like, you know what, that message was for me. If you want to come and pray with somebody and just and pray with somebody about that, you walk this way when I pray. If you have a need in your life, if you're dealing with some circumstance, you want to pray. Yeah, come on, young man. Um, if there's anybody else, you can just make your way forward when I pray, and we want to pray with you and believe God for his touch in your life. Let's pray. God, today we're so grateful, so grateful for the presence of God, whether it's in the life of Joseph or in the life of of us today. God, your presence can prosper us, can bless us, can favor us, can anoint us, can deliver us and save us and heal us and move us into the center of your will. And I pray, God, for every single person today under the sound of my voice that we together would grow in Christ, that we would walk in your spirit, that we would see you move mightily in our church and that our lives would be a a testimony of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I pray your blessing and your favor in our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And may God bless you, church. Have an amazing day. I'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.